Hello, everyone, and welcome to another American Scouser podcast. Uh, it's me, Timuchin, hosting today, and today we have Kazi back in action, as well as Hooch. Uh, welcome, gentlemen. Hey, what's going on? How are you doing? Man, it's been kind of like a crazy week and more to come. It's been kind of like a crazy month, actually, and it's been like a good month so far. But So I figure we start with the weekend first. Uh, I mean, my weekend started, well, I guess my Sunday started, I should say, with watching United just getting like, trashed by Everton. But we'll go back to United because obviously with the game coming tomorrow, that's going to be a topic we go back to. So let's start with us first. Um, I want to get kind of like your guys' thoughts on what you guys thought when the starting 11 came up, especially obviously the midfield is usually the... Uh, the big question mark whenever we see the lineup. So, uh, so what do you guys think, Hooch? We'll start with you. I mean, you see the lineup there with Keita, Henderson, and Genie. Uh, what's your like initial reaction? Um, I don't have any issue with it. Uh, I would like to see Fabinho still start, but I mean, Genie's been there all along, even going back to last season. Um, he's been kind of a mainstay in that midfield. Um, so really, out of if out of those four. Between Hendo, Fabinho, Kaida, and uh, Genie, I don't have an issue with any of those three starting in any combination at this point. Um, it paid off. I mean, Genie got the goal in the second half, so maybe Klopp knew something we didn't. Uh, maybe he wanted to get Genie back out there. Um, just to, he hasn't played, you know, really hasn't featured that much. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the way that the, the way the team's rolling now, it's almost like they could plug anybody into that midfield. Um, and they just keep going. Uh, it's a good problem to have, you know. If you want to go back, you know, to even last year, the year before that, when you were struggling to find depth at any position, and now we're almost, you know, we're too deep in the midfield, which is good. I mean, it's a nice problem to have to have that much talent and that much class on the got team right now. Um, but yeah, no issues with it. Um, like I said, Jamie got the goal, so everything worked out in the end. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of uh, kind of agree with that. Really, I think the key, really, to this game in the midfield was that he kept Henderson as number eight. It probably surprised a lot of people. It kind of surprised myself. You know, when you get the team sheet, it looks like that he just goes well. Henderson will drop back in the number six role, and you know he'll go with the standard midfield. But it kind of says to the it kind of says to the players, especially Henderson himself, where well, you play well there, so I'm keeping you there. You know what I mean? When the easy fix probably for them was just to go to Henderson. Right, you can just drop back in for this game for me. Or I can just try and uh, rest Fabinho on his legs. But he's kind of said, no, go ahead, you've earned your spot. You're playing well. You know, you're getting, you got, you got your goal, Southampton. You got your assists. You're staying there. Jimmy, you're going to have to, like, you know, accompany this team now. So I thought that was very, very interesting, to be honest. Um, for Kaita was excellent. Underratedly excellent, actually. Um, started to really grow. Grow into the uh, into the season, especially in the last six to eight weeks. Probably actually probably closer to six weeks. He's kind of really grew into the team a lot more. And, yeah, I just thought he was more assured on the ball. It's the way he goes past people with ease sometimes. And I think Henderson really likes playing with Kaita. I think he knows he can give Kaita the ball and Kaita will protect the ball. He doesn't really often lose it. So you know, I think I think the, the balance was just perfect on the weekend. Yeah, I mean, that was my initial reaction. I'm glad you brought that up because when I saw the lineup and I was like, I'm okay with it, but I hope we don't, you know, we don't go back to where we were and put Henderson at six and, you know, keep Genie at eight. And I was, you know, that was my hope going into the game. 
And it was definitely good to see that, you know, kind of Henderson almost has earned that spot, really, with what he's done on the field. And I agree with the Keita thing, because, I mean, I think one thing is he is forcing things a lot less. I think in the beginning he was trying to, almost like trying too hard. And he would get caught on the ball trying to create something or trying to do something extra. Whereas he's content with, like, moving the ball now. I mean, if there's some, nothing there, he kind of, like, keeps moving the ball around till somebody has an opening. I mean, that was one of those games that... I mean, we've had a bunch of those games, really, back-to-back, -back, where we have to be really patient. And, I mean, you guys know me by now. That's, like, a torture session for me uh, to watch. And But, I mean... At the same time, I think it's really impressive to see the team keep that discipline regardless of the score or, you know, what the minute is. I don't know if that's like the German discipline that comes with Klopp uh, or it's just the maturity of the team. But it's very tempting for a team to start, you know, loading it into the box and to see what happens and stuff like that as opposed to like stick into the plan so i guess you know that patience i mean kazi i'll go to you on this one like where do you think it comes from it's it's, it's interesting really i think it comes from trust i think first off for, so for example if you look at games in the past um like especially this season you know games off the top of my head like the chelsea game and even you can go back to like december with the derby game and things like that where he's like don't worry you'll get your goal don't worry like, don't force the issue. Because, for example, I look at the games, especially the Chelsea game and the game on the weekend, where you go 2-0 up on the 65th minute, the 60th minute, and you're like, oh, if we get 4-5 and five here, you know. Because your initial thing, of course, then when you go 2-0 up in a game, especially this season, we're thinking about the goal difference as well. Because I was on the weekend, I was thinking, if oh, we squeeze another 2 in here, it's down to plus 5. You play your field at home, you could put 10 past them on it, you know what I mean? And that's what you start thinking. But he's, he's so disciplined and he's like, no, 2-0 south. You know what I mean? Let's just put bang the pressure states on City. And it, it's it's testament to the players and the manager, really, because, you know, we've I, I remember the situation in 2014 at Crystal Palace. Liverpool went 3-0 up. And we were, trying to, we were trying to score another four or five goals to try and get the goal difference down. And we ended up drawing the game, famously. Um, with the discipline, where he's like, no, no, 2 0 fine. Put the pressure on them. Let them, they've got fixtures as well. You know, I think it's it's really t it's testament to the team that when you get a hard time and you're nil nil to go relax, there you know I could see it on the weekend especially. I think from probably the 35th minute onwards, you could see Cardiff just drop a gear. Their level was gone. You could see that they were you know they were backing in more. They were getting more on the ball. You know the Firmino chance and you know we were getting the ball in and around the box and you're just like it's only a matter of time. This was only a matter of time. Um, it's really interesting actually that we won 2-0 it was a penalty and a set piece that managed to actually break it in the end but you know the patience of the team and the discipline is something to behold I think it comes straight from the manager to say you have to trust me when I'm telling you what to do yeah you know we're all fans we're all emotionally invested and as I just said then when the team goes 2-0 up against you know a relegation side you're like go on get, get a couple more yeah get three get four go to five and then City will go, oh no, my oh, our goal difference is getting et out and things like that, you know what I mean? But they're like, no, 2 0 is fine, don't worry, let's not let's not get hit card if on the break and go to 2 1 and have a nervous last few minutes. So I think it's really good testament to the manager. I know, like, I mean, I know we used to talk about goal differential and kind of looks like it's out of the picture now. 
Uh, I guess you never know, but I mean, it really have to be some goofy scores for it to come back into play just because of the two-point lead. Uh, but that's probably one reason we are in some ways behind in the goal differential because we do kind of afterwards, once we get that lead, we do kind of like just want to keep the control as opposed to keep going full speed. But having said that, I think compared to last year, uh, I mean, we gave up a lot of leads last year, I remember, from 1-0, 2-0 and stuff like that. It's almost like once it's 2, even me, as you know, Mr. Panic that I am, I feel comfortable like this is a done deal. I, it's just like you have that confidence in the defense and the team to kind of keep control of the game and not do anything stupid. You're like, we're done, you know, mission accomplished kind of thing. Whereas, I mean, I know I never got that feeling um, last year. So that's definitely like a huge plus. Um, what's your take on that, Hooch? I mean, I think it just comes from a, a more mature team. Um, I think that, you know, Klopp came in half or not halfway through the season. He came in partway through the season. So he had a, two years ago. So he had to take time to get his players in, and then last year, you get everybody to buy into that. Um, because I think it's tough too when you have players like Mane, Sala. For me, you know, you're so offensively gifted. It's hard not to want to pat stats, or it's hard not to. It's hard to like hit that off switch where you can play more of a, uh, a possession game because your natural instinct as a goal scorer is always to press on and. Try to get that next goal. Try to make a play. Um, but I think you know the addition of Van Dyke and Allison. I think they're more adept. To, okay, now we don't have to score three, four, and five goals to have a have a safe lead almost. You know, like last year you had to score three or four, three or four, and then even still you're holding your breath. Like, what's going to happen? You know, how are we going to end this game? Uh, so I think the way the defense is set up and the confidence they have in the back four and the confidence they have in the keeper, um, it allows them. To get up, you know, one or two, especially two goals. You get up to two, and you feel comfortable, and you feel safe that it's going to be enough to carry you across the finish line. Yeah. Yeah. At the end of the day, they kind of kept that mode and got the goals. And I mean, I thought it was a clear-cut penalty. People are always going to whine, especially like City fans. But I mean, I understand how you can like wrestle a guy down and not get the call. I mean, the guy is eventually going to fall, especially when the defender is twice your size. I mean, I actually thought that was showing great strength that Salah didn't go down the first three or four times. He groped him uh, as opposed to, you know, like towards the end. I mean, there's only so much you can stand when like a guy twice your size has both hands on you uh, trying to drag you down. So um, so what was your guys, you know, like final take? You know, what did you guys take away uh, from the game overall, apart from obviously mission accomplished and three points? Uh, what did you think, Ozzy? Once, once the game is over, the final whistle, what's kind of like the thought in your head? It's interesting. It's def- first off, it's definitely a penalty. Like, it's just, it's a no-brainer. So, because my my take on it is, Salah's even, I, I think he's looking at the referee going, are you going to give this? And until he goes down, he doesn't give the penalty. You can see Salah like, hey, are you, are you seeing this? He's seeing it and Salah's not right then. Well, I'm just going to take the fall and go, give me the penalty now. Salah shouldn't have to take the fall to get the penalty, but you know, what I took off the game really was that I keep every time Liverpool win now, I'm thinking to myself, what are the City players thinking? You know, what are, what's Pep Guardiola thinking? Because because if it was me, I'd be like, will these lads just fuck off? You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. That sounds like because we're all human. When he said, "Oh, we don't, we don't, we don't watch the game," it's a clear lie. 
it's a lie. Of course you watch the game. Or you would definitely watch the highlights. Or you're following on the phone. You're, you're following the score on your phone. You are keeping in touch with the football match. Right? And when you see half-time again, Liverpool 0-0, you must think, oh, you know, fucking hell, here we go again. You know, maybe this is the one. We just had a really tough game against um, Spurs. Lucky to get the win in the end, in my opinion. Um, and they've won again. They've won again. And that, what that makes it do is, as, as we all know, is to go there. They've got to go to United, which is going to get on soon win. But, you know, I took from the game. It was just another solid performance. It was nice. I was really, really happy that James Miller was on the pitch when the penalty happened, to be honest. Because if it was Mo Salad or Firmino taking the penalty, I would have been a lot more nervous. But, you know, when James Miller steps up, I always back James Miller to score the penalty. So, you know, it was probably kind of divine intervention, really, what happened to Fabinho. Looking very good that he's OK, of course. But just another solid victory. Solid Liverpool. It's always nice to get one over Neil Warnock as well. Uh, the hater for that man is up there with me. Um, so it's always nice to see him moaning about the referees and things like that. It's wonderful, wonderful stuff on a Sunday, that is. But um, no, solid performance. And what are City thinking? That's all I keep thinking to myself. What are Manchester City players thinking? I mean, can Neil Warnock bitch and moan more? I mean, it was, I mean, I, personally, <laughs> I was like my disgust in that game. Not having ball boys and starting, you know, killing time from like the third minutes and not to mention, you know, the dry field and stuff. Let's face it, a lot of teams do. I mean, we water it down, you know, like every, I understand that. That is part of the home field advantage, even though it is dangerous for players. I understand that. But not having ball boys, I mean, that looked like watching like my daughter's games. Even them, they put a couple of people from the bench to go get the balls. I mean, it was like ridiculous <laughs> to watch, you know, Trent run down and get his own ball to do a throw in. And if you're sitting that low to stay in the <laughs> Premier League, you know, just go to hell, go back to Championship, hire some uh, ball boys and see what happens. I mean, I I, that was probably my biggest take in terms of, like, the disgust I had watching that game. Because And then, you know, you watch the guy's press conferences. All he does is, I thought we played well, and then there's, like, a 10-minute rant on... Like, random calls throughout the game. It's not even, like, a goal not given, a penalty not given. When that doesn't happen, he just, like, picks up, like, like a foul three plays behind the play or, like, an offsides on the 15th minute and stuff like that. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, man. I mean, I understand the quality of the team is not up to par to compete with, like, some of the Premier League teams. But that's your guy's fault for not, you know, coming up to the Premier League and not enforcing the roster like you should and pretty much almost keeping the championship team and hoping to compete. And obviously, that's <laughs> you go back to plan B and give the ball boys a day off. I really thought after we scored the one, like they were going to open up a locker room and like 30 ball boys were going to come out so that, you know, <laughs> they have to catch up and get the ball back or something like that. But Like the A team? Like, like, a, like, a, like a man just pulls on with all these kids getting out the back. It's <laughs> like, go, go, go. Like, like Neil Warnock, man, he's a, he's a walking meme, and he, he's just a walking contradiction of life itself. I, I Honestly, he's, he's wonderful. He can't grow any eyebrows, which is the funniest part. I mean, I, I think about them. <laughs> <laughs> That's what should be the, like the photo with this. Neil Warnock's eyebrows. He hasn't got any. It's wonderful. But I mean, like, oh, some of the stuff he comes out with, he goes, well, Salad, you know, the famous, he said today it was like a 9.8 dive. And you're like, how is it a dive? How can you see that? Just come out and go, listen, they're top of the league. There's a reason why they're top of the league and we're, you know, fighting relegations because they're really good and we're not. That's how it works. That's football. If you go out, when you play these kind of sides, if you go out and apply the same application that you do, 
to match them. You will beat them because you're better footballers. Just come out and go to better than us. But no, we have to come out and go, no, no, Salah dive. No, I don't know what he was doing there. We should have had three penalties and all this. You're like, Neil, shut up, mate. As soon as you got... You know what? I will give him his due. He's done okay, actually, to keep that team actually in with, in with a fighting chance. My opinion, it's probably a mid-table championship side, in my opinion. So, he's done well, actually, to actually still give them with a chance. But I keep looking at the games and thinking to myself, do I want Brighton to be safe on the last day because they play Man City? Or do I want Brighton to still be in it, you know, in a, in a relegation fight on the last day? But I really hate Neil Warnock. So I'm like, oh, what do we do? <laughs> like, I'm probably defying intervention. Like, what do we do? <laughs> can both lose? Sorry, can both win? But Brighton stay up. That's, that is the key. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, it's almost like who's going to suck more and like choke it out at the end. But oh, like I say, after, after seeing that game and the whole ball boy and the dry field and everything, I was like, man, you guys deserve to get relegated. I hope you guys get relegated. It almost yes. increased my, uh, went above my Burnley hate, which is pretty rough, I thought. But... <laughs> Uh, so, who how about you? What, what was your take after the final whistle? Um, I think, yeah, at this point of the year, it's uh, it's all about getting the three points. Like you said, goal differential <laughs> probably not going to come into play at all. So, just get the three points. Um, you know, it's going to be kind of a tough task. Like you said, they're fighting relegation. They're going to come out uh, swinging. Um, and like you said about the solid penalty, if that play happens anywhere else in the box, he calls a foul immediately. You know, it's like they, they ref the game different inside the box and outside. And, like, yeah, if Mo hadn't gone down, like, they bitch about him diving and trying to draw calls. But then when he stays on his feet, he doesn't get the calls anyway. So you almost take the, you take the choice out of his hands. You He has to go to ground in that situation to draw attention and say, hey, I'm getting mugged. Like, what are you looking at? And from the, um, from the, the TV view, you could tell it was a definite penalty. And then when they showed the – reverse angle and the camera's looking at him he has him in a bear hug and he basically wrestles him to the ground uh so that is definitely the right call and uh yeah the, like you said it's bush league not water in the field not having ball boys that's just a loser mentality um you come you, know, you come into that game with that negative connotation what's that say to your players like here's what we're gonna have to do we're gonna have to not cheat to win but we're gonna try to not play football to win we're just trying to eke out uh, maybe a draw by doing these Bush League tactics. So, like you said, if you're going to do that, just might as well just pack it up, go back to the championship now. Um, but at the end of the day, it's three points gained. Put the pressure back on City. And eventually, you would think, like we've been saying all year, eventually City's going to draw points. Maybe they don't. Maybe we don't. Maybe we both went out and, hell, we lose it by one point and we get 97 points and they get 98. What are you going to do? Um, <laughs> if, if we both went out, I mean, it's, it's epic right now. I was thinking back on it. We're, it's just like two heavyweight boxers just going at each other. Ollie Frazier, 15 rounds. Um, you know, every, so it, it's, it's exciting for sure. As a neutral, if I was a neutral fan, this would be amazing to watch. Of course, we're not. So, you know, we have our side we picked. Um, but, yeah, we got the three points. The ball's back to, in City's court. Hopefully they fumble it tomorrow. Or, um, hey, hey, maybe Brandon Rogers does us a favor coming up. And Lester takes points off them. Who knows? Maybe we'll, we'll get to that down the road. But yeah, three points gained. Back to you, City. See what you have. Yeah, man. 
Yeah. And yeah, let's see what they have against United. So let's uh, talk about United a little bit. So I'm watching the game, <laughs> just getting like hammered. And actually, I thought of Kazi and I was like, is he enjoying this? Because I know, you know, <laughs> we've talked about this before where my hatred for United is way above Everton and you kind of like the other way around. So yeah. did you enjoy that beating or could not? I mean, just mixed feelings or what? <laughs> it's, uh, I watched the game. I got up. I got up early, watched the game. And. Then you're sitting there and you're like, it's the worst, it's the worst United side I've seen. It's probably the worst United performance I've ever seen. Um, it, it was dreadful. Like, everything was good on the day, don't get me wrong, everything deserved to win, you know, I, you know, we hate it, but everything's very strong, but, you know, when I was looking, thinking to myself, if they show up like this against City, they're gonna, it's going to be, a, it's going to be, oh, it could be anything. It could, honestly, it could be anything. You know, we have a famous saying in the UK, it could be a cricket score. You know, it could be literally, you could put seven or eight past these comfortably. And then I started to think, I sat down, I started to think, I was thinking to myself, well, they can't play that bad again. You know, guys, that's, that's, the, that's the one positive I'm saying. They can't play that bad again. This is Manchester United. They do not play that bad twice on the bounce. Listen, I remember Liverpool doing the double over Man United. And if I was, what, 2003, 2003, Man United finished 20 points above Liverpool. It didn't matter that we beat them twice. They didn't care. Because they won the league, <laughs> right? And that's all that matters, you know. And I, I kept thinking to myself, going, "Well, Man United don't play that bad consistently. They have to get up for this game. You just have to, you know." I fought on the day. I thought it was really interesting actually because I was I was sitting back after the Liverpool game, and I was thinking about confidence of our players, and I was thinking about the United game because of course I just watched them back to back, and I was looking at the goalkeeper in De Gea. You know, I thought he made a mistake with the second goal. Other people say it's a great strike. Matic shouldn't let him cut in. Thought he was a bit slow off the mark. He made a mistake against Bayern Munich. Sorry, not Bayern Munich. Barcelona. Um, and it got me thinking to myself, it's amazing what confidence can do for a player. Because 12, 18 months ago, this guy looked like, he looked like a cheat mode on a game. You don't deserve to have him. You just, you, you know, he, he was unbelievable. He's the, he's the best goalkeeper in the world still. But it's amazing what confidence does when, you know, I look like Kaiser and things like that, you know, with confidence now, he looks like a different player and the hair looks the opposite, of course. But I kept thinking to myself, they can't play this band again. They just can't play this band again. If it was us now, guys, sitting here, going for the league title, and you said to me, we've got to go to Goodison Park on Wednesday night to go and win, to stay in the title race, you'd see, you'd look, both, all three of us would sit there and go, we ain't doing that. You know what I mean? Because yeah. that's what, I, you know, that's what City fans are thinking. That's what City fans are doing, exactly the same thing as we are, probably sitting there thinking, we could do without going to Old Trafford on a Wednesday night. It doesn't matter where they are in the league, you do not want to go to Old Trafford on a Wednesday night. After after a performance like that, when you need a reaction. you know. So I think it's a positive, in a, in a weird, sick kind of way for Liverpool. I really do, because they can't play that bad again. They just really can't. I mean, that was the thing initially, like when it was just like 2-0, but I mean, they were just dreadful to watch. It was just like sad, but well, in a happy kind of way. But, um, you know, watching them play, it was only like 2-0. I got the impression that, you know, well, this is good in some ways where, yeah, they're not getting any points. They're going to need points to be able to qualify to the Champions League. But then you're watching them play and you're like, I mean, does it matter? Because they're so bad, like, even if they had the will. But I really think when the score went to 4-0 and they were so embarrassed out of there uh, and they looked so poor, I mean, these guys have to have some pride to come out and say, we got to do better. 
So I was always like, well, this is like the ideal combination where where they didn't get points, so they definitely need points. And but they would have needed that even if it was down 2-0. With the 4-0, and especially the way it was 4-0, it's not like you know they were attacking and they were getting hit on the counter. I mean, they just couldn't do anything. I'm almost hoping that there will be some kind of a shame, one would think, uh, and then they would come out at least in the beginning with a lot more fire. Yeah. And let's hope they get something out of that. But looking at that team, I'll, I'll start with you, Hooch. I mean, where do you think, and as much as I love it, where do you think like United has gone wrong? I, I think <laughs> a lot of it is um, they don't know what direction they want to go in. Um, it seems like, you know, like Rashford's playing well, Martial's playing well. But you have you know Pogba, who's kind of you know he's a diva. You know, throw that out there. Um, uh, so it's like they have a mixture. They want to grow homegrown talent and build a team organically, but they still want to go splash money on these superstars who maybe don't buy into that, that mentality. Um, the beginning of the year, you know, the fans and the team quit on Mourinho, and then you bring Ole in, and they have that little run. And now, really, from yeah, he had a great run at the beginning. But they're in the same exact spot, if not worse now, because you have you know you have Gary Neville calling them out on national TV after the fact, saying it was atrocious. He's embarrassed for the club. You know, there's players on that team that don't deserve to wear the shirt. Um, you have Pogba coming out afterwards saying it was disrespectful to the fans, to the them their their own team. It's disrespectful to the badge. But then the report comes out that Pogba, De Gea, and Lukaku all may want to force their way out after the season if they don't qualify for the top four. So if you read into those quotes, it's like they're already one foot out the door. They're done with the season. I just don't know that there's no leadership anywhere between the players. You know, the players are there almost at a collective paycheck. Um, The Alexi Sanchez deal is just garbage for them. They're stuck with him. I don't know how they're going to get rid of him this off season. It's like, they don't have a plan. They're stuck in between trying to do a rebuild from the inside but they're still strapped with that mentality that they're united and they can go out and sign whoever they want. Um, it's just there's no clear-cut direction um, from the boardroom all the way down to the field and how they're playing. And to get beat 4-0 at Everton, yeah, it's a tough place to play, but 4-0 and, like, it, like you know, you guys said, it wasn't a fluke, you know. They were getting impressive. outplayed. Yeah. yeah, they were getting outplayed ridiculously. And, yeah. and I just don't know where this team's head is. Luckily, they have to show up tomorrow. Um, and get points to keep their hopes alive. But, uh, you know, they're at home, so that has to come for something. But, I mean, really, I don't know if I have much faith going into tomorrow. This team's going to show up. They might already be dead. Um, you know, there are Pogba, De Gea, and Lukaku already looking to go out elsewhere next season. They might, you know, Pogba has one foot in Madrid, it seems like. Uh, I don't I don't know. And, and nothing was surprising. They can go out and get beat 5-0 tomorrow. And it wouldn't shock me if they came back and they got a result. Um, it's all up in the air. I have no idea what this team from week to week it looks like. And, and more, just hope for the best. Expect the worst, but hope for the best, I guess. I think it's key. You know, I, you know, I think when you look at United especially, I think there's a lot of similarities between them and Liverpool and when Kenny Dagley's came back. I think it's so similar. It's ridiculous, really. Because Dagley's comes back short term. He does well. Liverpool fans demand the contract really we want you know keep that leash on. Um kind of the same thing. So what what the fans have done 
is give the owners all the cards. And they'll fucked up. If it doesn't work with Ollie, they can go, well, you asked for them. You fucking wanted them. You're the ones crying that you wanted Ollie. And now look at the shit we're in, lads. So you shut up and we'll deal with this. And the fans haven't really got to say. Because they're going to go, well, we got it wrong last time. It's a bit like the Dagley, the Dagley situation. Because the owners can go, wait there, we listen to you. You don't, you know what I mean? Look at, the, look at the position we're in now. We're bringing in Brendan. I think it's so similar. The club in of where they are right now, it, 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 it's ridiculous. You know, Hughes just touched on the Sanchez deal. That's a, the biggest PR blunder in the world of a deal. You put the man on $400,000 a week, or £400,000, whatever he is, right? Probably 400 grand too much. But you put the man on this kind of money. So if you're Paul Pogba, you're Marcus Rashford, you're going to knock at the door and go, hey, how much is he on again? On 400 grand. I don't really want 400 grand, guys. I just want to be on about 330. Well, that's 120 grand pay rise. That's not the point. I'm contributing more than Alexi Sanchez. Because if that was my agent, it's exactly... People forget as well. I, I think I've touched on it in previous podcasts. This is still a job. It is, it's a job. Whether we like it or not, these lads get paid for a living. So if someone coming to your job on the same, on the, doing the same job as you, three, four times the wage of what you're, you're on, you're going to be knocking at your boss's door going, can I have a pay rise, please? Because that guy's on three or four times the wage. And it's exactly the same situation. This is a business. You know, it, and it's it's so similar in where they're at. The Everton game was embarrassing. It was shocking, of course. It, it, I was quietly pleased. But it was quite, it was kind of funny as well, of course. It's always funny to watch United lose. I know I hate Everton, but to see United get lo- lose like that. And I think the only registered the shot on target in like the 85th minute is absolutely atrocious, and I tell you what, Ollie, I, I I said it from the start. I think it's I think it's a kind of a misstep, but the owners kind of the owners and the fans have backed themselves into a corner that they have to give the man a job because if they if they would have went in and got the Pochettino that was linked and Pochettino doesn't do well, they'll go, well, we should have just kept Dolly. We should have just kept Dolly. You know what I mean? So you know the owners now have got all the cards, which is the worst case for me where the United fans want to be. So let me guys, let me ask you guys this: Is Ole there next year, regardless of what happens the rest of the season? He's gone at Christmas next year. Oh, you gave him to that this Christmas. That's nice. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Merry, Merry Christmas. You're gonna bring you're gonna bring in Sam Allardyce to save you from relegation. Merry, Merry Christmas, United. <laughs> watching Paul, watching Paul Pogba and Marcus Rashford playing wing back. Can't wait. You sit in front of the left back there, mate. Ashley Young will still be playing, but go on. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to say Christmas to New Year next year. Yeah, he's gone. Yeah. What do you? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I think you know at this point you have to you have to go with him, and then if they start out, if they have a bad start to next season, then you could say you you know what he had a chance. Um, it didn't work out. I think, but this you can't get rid of him in the off season now because then you're going through two managers in one season basically. It, it's a bad look, and then it screws up your summer transfer plans. So who you, who's going to be your manager? Who's not going to be? Who's going to be there? Who's not going to be there? So I think at this point you're kind of stuck with them at least to start the year, and then you know maybe you get out to an average start next year. They say that's not good enough, and then maybe they pull the trigger and they bring they look at maybe who's not back and who's you know a big name free agent manager who's not really with the team yet, or maybe there's more shuffling in the off season. Somebody quits, and then they're sitting there. And you can get them to come in before the winter transfer window. But I just think that, uh, 
yeah, you give them this, you give them the season to start next year, and then you know you give them till Christmas time, and like, listen, we almost gave you close to a year, it didn't work out, sorry, and then you make your next hire, which you know three managers in a season and a half almost isn't a great look for you. I mean, it's great you know watching them struggle like that, but. Yeah, no, he gets to start the uh, season next year, but that's a short range, short leash. He'll be gone by Christmas. Yeah, I, t- I think I think it's I think the other key is is a guy that we're not really thinking as well. It's not if they sack him next Christmas, which I think is going to happen. I think the, I think the board will shit themselves. There'll be twelve points off the top four and go. Well, we need to make a decision here to get this top four and this Champions League money. It's not about when they sack them. It's about what manager they're going to bring in. Because I tell you what, mate, if you're Pochettino and you look at that new stadium, semi-finals of the Champions League, you're playing Ajax, good side, of course. So potentially a Champions League final. You know, and United come knocking, you're going to go, well, I don't really want to go there, mate, because you're on to your fourth manager in 18, 19 months. And I've got a project here and I'm loved. You know what I mean? I just think it's really incest. I don't know. I don't think they're going to kind of get the level of manager that they actually need. Yeah, I mean, who wants this job right now? Just because of, like, I mean, they have players that they spend ridiculous money on. Obviously, Sanchez is the top one. But there are other players that they spend all this money on. And then, you know, they trot out this 11 against Everton. And you look at that defense, you're like, dude, Phil Jones is still there. Like, how, how the hell does that happen? With all these guys, that, all this money that you guys spend is still smalling and Phil Jones from, like, last decade. And... Yeah. I mean, and you look at their, you know, they've conceded 48 goals so far. And that's, you know, more than double that Liverpool and City have conceded. They've conceded more than Liverpool and City combined. So <laughs> that's just, I mean, so I, I guess looking at this drama as fun as it is to watch. And I think if they do not qualify uh, for the Champions League next year, it's only going to be even more fun to watch in the summer. Yeah. Uh, but do you guys expect anything positive coming out of tomorrow? I mean, I'm with a little bit with Hooch on this one where their worst version of Chelsea, where it's like Jack Allen Hot, you don't know which team is going to show up and which way it's going to go. Um, so let's start with you, Kazi. Do you expect anything coming out of United tomorrow? Um, uh, yes, I do. Um, I think they'll draw. I think it'll be a weird 2-2 draw. I can see United scoring late, and I don't know why. And there's no particular reason or rhyme or rhythm about that. I just think they have to get something. I just don't think it's... I, You know, if they lose again, they've lost seven out of nine in Manchester United. You know, it, I, of course, City are going to have to have not an off day. But City, if City play at 100%, City will win the game quite comfortably. If City play a 97% Man United can get something, in my opinion. You know, they've lost Kevin De Bruyne, who's been on fire the last few weeks. He's not playing. Of course, they've got players to replace him, but De Bruyne's been on form. He was excellent against Spurs in the Champions League. Um, I I'm gonna say, I just think it's destiny for this season for Liverpool, so I'm going to say United will draw with City, allowing Liverpool to go to Huddersfield, well, play Huddersfield, and take a nice four or five-point lead. What do you think, Hooch? Um, I think they have a puncher's chance. Uh, City, look, their their defense looked like they could be scored upon against uh, Tottenham in the Champions League draw. They were vulnerable to the attack. Uh, if anything, that's the one thing, you know, Martial or um, uh, Rashford coming back, you know, on a counter. I think they, City could be open to a counterattack. So maybe you catch them like that early. Um, 
the stadium is going to be on fire uh, yeah. for sure. They're, the, the crowd's going to be going nuts. They'll have their singing section that they designated or whatever, whatever the hell they do to generate atmosphere. Um, but, no, they'll be uh, – they have to play well in front of their home crowd because if they don't, I think the booze may start raining down early if they're not into it. Um, so I think, you know, there's a chance, like, they're still professionals. You still have to have some type of personal pride, whether you think that you're leaving at the end of the year or not. You know, if you go out and lose 4 nothing, 5 to 1, and now your last two games you've lost on a combined score of 10 to 1, I mean, that's that's bottom of the table type performances. Uh, and like Causey said, Seven out of nine, by default, United's better than that. Um, just with the talent that they have, attacking talent anyway. Um, so, yeah, I think I do think a draw is a reasonable, you know, expectation, but I don't, I don't think they're going to win. But I could see them squeaking out a draw. Maybe they get up, maybe they hold on to it, and City score late to earn, like City gets a draw out of it. But uh, I think that United's going to do us a favor um, to maybe the chagrin of their fans, which is another interesting dynamic in all this is, you know, you see some people, United fans, saying, oh, we want to, you know, we'd rather lose and have Liverpool not win a title. But that's ludicrous because why would you want to not be in Europe next year and forego all that money? And then the other, the Liverpool side of it is, yeah, do we, we have to cheer for United to, tomorrow to get a result for us to win a chance or to us to win a premiership, which uh, I think I could do that for 90 minutes of that Let's us win the league. Oh, um, I, listen, I'm gonna, that, I'm gonna be singing every United song tomorrow. I'm all <laughs> for it. I'm all in. Right, I'm that's what I don't get. That the people on on Twitter and Facebook saying I'll never cheer for United. I don't care what it costs us. Load that, that's, fucking that's, that's shite. Ludicrous. That's ludicrous don't, in my opinion. Don't celebrate us winning the league, then. Don't do it. Sit in your fucking house, mate, because I'll be out. Don't worry about that. <laughs> right, that's what I mean. For ninety minutes. We could cheer for – I'm cheering for a draw. That way I don't have to cheer for United to win, but cheer for a draw. And if they win, oh. even better. But if that, if that makes us win the league, who cares that we had to cheer for United one time in our life? No, I, I, I just don't get that. United, it's probably more than anybody, but I am rooting them for them to okay. win. All, the my, eggs, points, all my eggs are in this basket. I'll be looking at this game for seven weeks. All my eggs are in this basket. I am <laughs> telling you, I'm all in. I'm, I'm top United tomorrow, you know. I'm, I swear to God, I'm playing Oasis as soon as I wake up. It's all <laughs> Manchester. Like, just literally, I'm all in. All in on this game. I've got, we've, everyone's had this game on the calendar for weeks. When we get to the game, you go, I can't, I, I can't really support United. Are you fucking mad? I get a tattoo of Paul Pogba if he fucking win the game tomorrow. I don't care. Liverpool, <laughs> please. Please, Man United, please. Come on, friends in arms. We've been friends for years. Please. This one time. The battle axes are drawn. Please, lads. Please. I mean, I'm glad you brought that up because I've been reading about that like online as well. Like people talking about, you know, you're not a Liverpool fan if you root for United. Blah, blah. I mean, we're not throwing in a United jersey, which sounds like Kazi might even do that. But, oh, I mean, my God. I'm, mate, I'm, this mate, gonna I swear to God. Spin, I don't give a damn. <laughs> mate, I've got 20,000 on the back. I don't even care. I've got big Alex on my wall and everything. I swear to God. I'm all in. Any people who say online, oh, you know, you shouldn't really support United if you're a Liverpool fan. It's the biggest load of shit ever. I'm from the city. I know people from the city. And all of them want United to win the game. Because all that matters is that Liverpool win the Premier League title. doesn't matter how we win it. It's that if Liverpool win this Premier League title, it's the greatest team to ever win a Premier League title. 
forget last year when Man City didn't get out of third gear and no one challenged them and they finished about 450 points ahead of everyone else. These two sides are going to finish on potentially 97 points and 96 points. Or anyway, over 94 is unheard of. When Arsenal went the whole season defeated, they got 90 points. Are you fuck? This is unbelievable. That when you might United have won 13 Premier League titles, the most points they ever got was 91. This is the greatest side who ever wins it. And if I have to support Man United for another fella, I'm all in. I'm on the Paul Pogba train. Ollie's at the wheel. Come on, Man United, please. <laughs> please. Okay, I'm glad we're in agreement on this one. I was actually like, you know, and it is odd. And obviously, I'm not, you know, from Liverpool, but, you know, and, you know, I've been reading online about how, you know, if, if you ask a regular United fan, they'd rather have City win the title than Liverpool. Oh, and, yeah, that's probably right, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. It's ama- I mean, to me, it's amazing just because, you know, I grew up as a Fenerbahce fan and, you know, Fenerbahce goes rivalry and stuff like that. I mean, in the same city, there's no way in hell is what I would have always thought. But uh, I found it amazing that, you know, basically almost everybody they asked was uh, they'd rather have City win. I think partially it's because City was kind of non-existence until the money came in. Uh, whereas they have a, you know, with Liverpool, um, there is decades of, you know, uh, competition going as opposed to City who just came out of nowhere. I think there's one thing I need to say, which I, you know, my friends told me, all the friends who went the game. When Man United in the late 80s and early 90s, you know, Alex Ferguson came in, all my all the people have told me, they used to be petrified of Man United. Because they used to go, because if Man United win one, they'll win five. Because they can build a dynasty. Because, because the monkey's off the back. Do you know what I mean? And I've got the feeling, and, I, and I've, got a, I've got I know all the Manchester United friends, they go home the way I actually spoke to one a couple of days ago and he said, if you win it this year, you'll win the next three. Because you have the fan base and the squad now to build a dynasty. And he said, and we know that. He said, we've been there. We've, we've been there. And he said, and we know if you win this one, you're on 19 and we're on 20. And you look a damn sight looking like you're going to win another league before we win one. You know what I mean? And, he, and that's how they're thinking. They're thinking because the, Liverpool is such a big club that if they win one, that monkey's off the back. It's letting loose. You know what I mean? It's like, come on, then we can go for it. And Liverpool will win the next... In my opinion, if Liverpool win this one, we'll win three out of the next five. That's my opinion. I agree. Like, I mean, especially with the bait. I mean, the core we have in the squad. The squad's so young. With more money coming in, the youth that we have in the team. Yeah, I exactly. mean, yeah, you cannot... I mean, obviously, you know... You know, it's looking. Everything is looking up, and you can only see more improvement. I mean, I don't yeah. know if you can see an improvement in terms of like the total points because it's like a ridiculous season both teams are having. But in terms of like being dominant in the league, I mean, you kind of can see it going. As opposed to you know, like you know, we're talking about United. You don't know which way that graph is gonna go. It can go all over the freaking place. Um, so let me ask you guys this because I was like thinking about uh, as I was watching the game. Um, I mean, as we come towards the end of the year, you're looking at the Liverpool before we go to the weekend. I mean, we're talking about, you know, our record so far and how well we performed. And it's ridiculous. I mean, this whole race is kind of ridiculous. And I mean, Hush was saying earlier, like if he was a neutral, he'd be loving this. I'll be honest, if I'm a neutral, I'm scared to death because, you know, if I'm, you know, like a fan of. Of, you know, especially like United or Arsenal and Chelsea and stuff. I'm looking at this and saying, I mean, if something happens to one of them 
and something falls apart, like pet leaves or whatever. Yeah. I mean, the other team is here to stay, and how the hell do you compete with, you know, but, I mean, both teams have kind of like a greatness going. I mean, especially with us, we're both, you know, Champions League semifinal again two years in a row and stuff. But looking at the year so far, uh, let me go one by one. In terms of the players, who has surprised you the most, like the most pleasant surprise for you guys so far and the biggest disappointments for you guys so far in terms of play. Mm. So, Ozzy, we'll start with you. Pleasant surprise. Interesting. I'll give it to Joel Mather because I thought he was shit. Comfortably <laughs> shit. That's very, that's very nice of you, okay? And, and, I, and to be fair, you know, in the last three months, he stepped up really to a level I didn't think he could get to. Now, you know, I don't want to give all the credit to the man who stands along beside him, but I do think Virgil van Dijk can make me look like a centre-back for 90 minutes. Um, but, you know, Joe Matthews been excellent. I thought he was excellent on the weekend. Um, really good. Because what it looks like now, you know, if you probably would have asked me in the summer, where you look at the team and you go, well, Joe will go, you know, Dejan will stay. Now it probably looks like more like the opposite. It looks like Joe's kind of played himself to be the third second, third choice centre-back, you know, when Joe Gomez is fully fit, but, um, and, and now it looks like probably Dejan, the fourth choice, and the one that looking like he could be going out the door, so, I think that's just testament to Joel, really, for knuckling down, and he's got his stepping in when we needed him. Biggest disappointment, that's really tough, I think, um, if you would have asked me a couple of months ago, well, six weeks ago, we probably would have said Kaita, but, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say that I've really got a disappointment, now, I'm not sure what's going on with Shakiri, but probably since Christmas onwards or New Year onwards. Um, not really because he's disappointed me, but, you know, he must be shit in training because, you know, we can't get near the field when it looked like he was kind of the go-to sub. Um, yeah, I think, it, you know, so maybe him. Uh, I know there's probably special mention for pleasantly surprised at Divock Origi because it looked like he was out the door as well and he's knuckled down really, really hard and, now he's our first choice substitution, and he, every time he comes on, he's so direct. Brilliant off the left hand side. So, yeah, probably one of them. But, yeah, I'll, I'll just probably give it to Joel. What do you think, Hooch? Um, surprisingly, I would have to say Van Dyke is the most surprising player only because to live up to that billing, um, like he had a great second half when we got him last season. But you don't know that's ever going to carry over. And he's lived up to every, and more so. And not just his defending, but the way he plays the ball out of the back. He has five goals and four assists um, for, you know, and a lot of, you know, just how he, it's a, any ball over the top and you know he's back there, you're like, oh, he's winning it. He doesn't just win it and just like hurriedly kick it away or play it straight out of bounds. He takes a second to compose himself and looks to make a play to start the counterattack. And, uh, I just think, you know, it's coming from Southampton or whatnot, it's easy to look that good when you're on a mid-level club, a mid-table club, you know, if you're the best player. But the, the way he slotted into Liverpool seamlessly, and he's just, he's a, there's just something about him. He's a transformative player for this team. Um, and it's just, you know, because we've had big signings in the past, and yeah, they live up to the hype, they don't. But, but he's gone, you know, the $75 million we paid for him, Looks like a bargain. So I think just how well he's played. Like if you would have said at the beginning of the year, if there was one player that was going to be on the shortlist for the PFA Player of the Year, 
you wouldn't have put Van Dyke up there. You would have said Saudio. You would have said Sala again, maybe Firmino. But the fact that he's on that list, and there's some people he's a favorite, to win it in this day and age as a center back, I think speaks for itself. I'm the, mis- the most disappointing player, and it's kind of piling on at this point, but I think it's Sturridge. Um, the way that he played in the preseason in the first few games of the year, like, okay, he buys in. He's going to be more of a, a conductor. You know, he's not what he was, um, but he's going to be that guy you can bring off the bench. He can, he's a pure striker, so he can get that goal out of nothing. He's somebody you can play the ball into. He can make something happen. And it just seems like he got the boo-boo face, and he went back. He's pouting again, and now he can't even – and he makes the bench every week, but he hardly ever gets on in a meaningful situation. And, you know, I think it's just sad to see that his time's passed him by for Liverpool. Maybe he realizes that. But just the way that he – he said all the right things in the offseason, how he's going to buy in, he was going to accept his role as a super sub, and it, it's really been nothing out of him. Um, it's sad to say, it's sad to see that happen, but I think, yeah, he's been the most disappointing player just based on what his expectation was coming into the season. And you're like, yeah, this is, he's been there, he's a true professional. Um, he could be a mentor to some of the younger guys. You can bring him on, and it, he showed, you know, he got the goal against PSG. Things like that. You're like, all right, this is a dude we can count on going forward. And, and it's almost like Origi took that spot from him now where you bring him in and he can make something happen. Um, so, yeah, Van Dyke, the most surprising player, just based on exceeding the expectation we had and just Sturridge from basically disappearing and going into witness protection over the course of the year. Yeah, I, I agree with the disappointment. I agree with Sturridge. Just because if you told me in the beginning of the season Sturridge was going to be healthy – I mean, I don't know, 80, 90% of the season, uh, I would have thought, you know, he would be a bigger impact. And he's been kind of like non-existent in the second half of the season, for one. And, I mean, he had that huge goal against Chelsea and stuff. But like I say, I mean, that's probably, to me, is the biggest disappointment because I thought, especially the way the season started and he's healthy, he would be that guy coming in instead of Divock, but that's kind of like the way it panned out. Um, but in terms <laughs> I, I of the... Th- I, I still think he's got a big moment, by the way, guys. I still think he's got a big moment left in this season. I don't know why. I don't even care. I, I don't need to explain myself. Daniel <laughs> is not going out on a whimper. He will not go out on a whimper. He's going to get the winner to give us the league title. Daniel Sturridge is not going out on a whimper. If you think Liverpool are going to do this the easy way, guys, you're fucking wrong. It's going to be fucking one-all on the 80th minute against Wolves. And you see a little Danny Sturridge coming on. I'm telling you right now, I've got all my eggs in the Sturridge basket. But please continue to... Oh, man, I, I, I was so, going to... Especially so knowing you, I thought you were going to pick Divock to have the moment before the season oh, ends. <laughs> Divock is my idol. Divock's <laughs> everything to me. It's the greatest goal I've ever seen. It's just... It, honestly, I can't... Every time I watch, I only watch it 30 times a week. So, Cosby, I'm, I'm writing this down. You have... Uh, well, Wanna playing a ball into Sturridge and Sturridge to get the goal to win us the title. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm telling you, right, I mean, Daniel Sturridge, I, I'm not saying he's going to win us the title, but well, I probably am. But um, <laughs> he's got a big moment to left in this season. He has a moment. Daniel Sturridge will not go out on a whimper. Daniel Sturridge will get a minute in one of these games. It might be, listen, it could be a goal against Newcastle away. And whatever it's got to be, it could be Wolves. We're fighting against Everton to try and get that extra goal to win the league title. He will bring Daniel Sturridge off the bench. No danger for me. He'll bring Arigi, Shakiri, and Sturridge on. And Daniel Sturridge, for me, he's got a moment. I'm backing it. 
Sorry, guys. It sounds ridiculous. I know it does. I don't give a fuck. I, I was going to say, I would put money more on the fact that you're not going to see Sturge in a, wearing a Liverpool jersey. Mate, listen, the, please, give me this. Right? He was dying in 2014, fella. He's there. He deserves his moment. That one moment of brilliance in his gifted left foot. I know we can't run anymore. I know he's running like he's got a parachute attached to him. And it's fine. It's okay, Daniel. Just that gifted left foot that you have. All the talent in the world that you don't even smile anymore when you score. Just do that. Please. I don't want to see you go out on a whimper. My heart still longs for that 2014 Daniel Sturridge. And I think he's long gone. <laughs> well, a message received by Daniel, I'm sure. Uh... <laughs> Thanks, Danny. Follow me on Twitter, Danny. <laughs> but yeah, I, he will still be topping my uh, probably like the most disappointing out of the like I said just because he was healthy I mean you would think you yeah. know if this yeah. is the production you got out of him you would guess especially with this history he was injured again but he was healthy probably because he didn't play much but you know and still couldn't contribute what I thought he could especially the way he started contributing at the beginning of the year you thought it was going to keep going and it just didn't but uh, in terms of, as far as for me, I mean, pleasantly surprised is probably my tip. I mean, I agree with Kazi on that one. I think a couple of months ago, I would have probably said Gomez because, you know, that duo uh, with Van Dyke was just unbelievable in the first half of the season. Uh, but yeah, I never thought, I was expecting a lot more scary moments, uh, even with Van Dyke next to him. Because uh, it's still a unit that has to play as a whole. I mean, yeah. not jinx the guy, but he hasn't made that mistake and stuff like that. That, you know, let's face it, you know, uh, Lovrenus kind of at times does make. So uh, I think he's been great. I mean, he is great on the ball and especially against teams like Cardiff who kind of like park back there. It's a great guy to move the, with the ball to kind of like create open spaces <laughs> between the lines and stuff. I mean, he was probably, especially in the first half, he was somehow our best offensive player, the way he took advantage of that space. And then when he takes advantage of that space, people have to step up to him, which opens up more space between those two lines. So, yeah, I mean, definitely pleasantly surprised. I think he's been excellent the last couple of months. So hope he keeps going, which, you know, let's bring us to Friday here. Um in terms of lineups, do you guys see a, a change? Now that I praise Matip, I'm expecting, you know, I'm thinking Gomez will kind of keep getting more and more minutes, but will not be in the starting 11. Mm. Uh, so let's talk about starting lineups and score predictions for Friday. I, I think Gomez starts. I think he'll go right back. I think Trent needs a break. I think it's a perfect game where it shouldn't really you know, affect the team too much. I'd be very surprised. Well, not very surprised, but I could see Robertson even getting a rest and playing Milner there. Might surprise a few listeners, but, you know, the two most, for me, apart from the strikers, you're the two most important players in our team and our wing-backs, and I'm sorry, our full-backs. Um, and with Barcelona coming up, I can't really think of another game where you can rest them and kind of get away with it in Huddersfield. Liverpool should have enough to beat Huddersfield. Um, Without, you know, these two lads in the side, we should have enough creativity. I think this is the game where Wijnaldum gets another rest. Um, I think I actually can see the Shakiri getting started, uh, which might surprise again a few listeners. But I think he'll want Genie Wijnaldum in Barcelona. He'll just want him at the new Camp. He needs Genie Wijnaldum. 
whether you know we, we, oh, we can get away with it for being the old Kiter and Henderson. No, we need when Alvin when Adam's so key to our midfield, it's ridiculous. So I can see a couple of changes like that, and Liverpool should still have enough anyway to win the football match, in my opinion. Um, and it also gives us options all over the field if Liverpool want to go three at the back with Gomez, uh, Van Dijk, and Matip. So you know, in the second half, you can try different things. It doesn't really matter. Liverpool should win the football match anyway. But I can see Trent getting a rest, Robertson, and I can also see when Alvin get a rest. Hmm. What you got, Hooch? Um, that kind of shot me having both of those guys out. Uh, I think I don't know if Fabinho is going to be able to play. I don't know. I haven't read him um, with his his head injury he got. But I think yeah, if you're going to rotate it all, all, this is the match to do it. Uh, Huddersfield has nothing to play for, um, and you need everybody. It would be good to get Trent arrest and Robbo arrest because they're going to have yeah. their hands against Barcelona. Uh, so if you do rotate, I think this is a match. Maybe, maybe a Riggy gets a start up front. Maybe you yeah. take out uh, Mane or uh, Mo. May, just give them a quick breather. Um, but yeah, I think this is a, he's going to have maybe like a mix and match. I can see Shakiri finally getting minutes just to give somebody a spell. Just because they've been playing a lot of minutes, and uh, yeah, going up against Barcelona, you're going to need all hands on deck. So, and this is the perfect match. To, uh, if you're going to rotate heavy, this is basically your last shot going down a stretch. Um, then you have Newcastle away, which will be tough. Just you know, it's a tough place to play, and then you have Wolves after that. So yeah, you're going to go. Uh, if you rotate, this will be the match. Uh, Van Dyke obviously will start. Um, and I like Gomez. You know, this is a good, like Kazi said, it's a good match with Gomez, and he won't be asked to do a whole lot. But you can get him out there even 60, 70 minutes just to get some more game, uh, get his game legs back a little bit more. And then, um, yeah, maybe a Riggy starts in the front three and places somebody. Um, Milner left back. I guess, yeah, you're not going to start Moreno at that point. Uh, <laughs> please, no. Please. Please. Is he oh, don't say that huge man? Oh my god, I forgot. So, let me life. ask you guys this thing because man, you guys are so much braver than I am. But, um, does your lineup prediction change based on the score tomorrow, or that's regardless of what happens tomorrow? This is the lineup you're throwing out there, yes. Um, yeah. no, no, if City, if if United get a result tomorrow. I think you put your best 11 out there because you can go five points up and essentially, I don't want to say you could clinch the league on Friday, but if you go five points up, there's a good chance that we're going to do it. And I don't think you could take any risk because you don't want to look back at it and say, why didn't we fill our best 11? If you yeah. have a chance to go five points up, even, you know, even the time we have a chance to get four points up. I think if United get a result and then, you have to play your best 11. If City winning in tomorrow, then maybe you say, you know what, looking ahead, you know, you assume both teams are going to win out and you then you rotate. But, yeah, if United get a result tomorrow, I think you have to put your best 11 out. You owe it to the fans at that point to put all it's cause, you know, put all your eggs in that basket and say, we have a chance to go five, four or five points up and almost put the league away. If five points up, we'd have to – That's all. that would be a massive collapse to have to lose the league at that point. So we can go five points up. You play your best eleven, you win, and then basically you win the league at that point. I think it's. Uh, I might. I still think he makes changes. I just don't think he might make as many. So, for example, I, I think Gomez starts, no matter what. 
I, I think Gomez is playing right back. Trent looks tired. Trent looks like he needs a break for the start. I think he, I think he'd love to give Robertson a break, which you might get a bonus. You know what I mean? I think, I but I think you might go kind of get sixty out of Robertson, go two and three and up, and kind of get Milner on then. You know what I mean? I think, I think that's in his thinking. I think the Shakiri, I think Shakiri happens anyway. I think Shakiri is going to be needed. You know, we had that Newcastle game out either side of Barcelona, home and away, I believe. You know, we are going to need. You know, we can't keep going to the well with the same kind of players. I think the Origi, I think he's got a great point. I think Origi is the other one that he might do. If you're not, if City win, he might go and do an Origi. And, you know, I'm going to rest because I want, you know, if we don't go and win this league, then, you know, the Champions League, you know, is just a lovely, nice little, uh, you know, equaliser there just to soften the blow. So, but I think it kind of does matter. I don't think it makes as many. But I'd be, I'd be amazed. I'd be amazed if Trent starts the game on Friday, really. Yeah, see, I think you guys are making my case for starting the best 11, regardless of what happens tomorrow. I think you start... So when do you get a rest over? deal, I don't know, the concussion and stuff like that. I feel like, you know, we start with the same lineup that we started against uh, Cardiff with. Unless, you know, Lalana's salty, maybe you put him instead of Keita or something like that. But And I can see Gomez coming in for Trent. Because uh, I agree, Trent does probably need the rest, but I feel like that's kind of like this is the kind of game that you kind of score the goals, get it with the lead, and then you know you can take Trent out at halftime and Firmino out or you know Salah out or whatever. But I think you start your best eleven, and you don't mess with anything this time of year. I mean, if the game was over the weekend, I can see what you guys are saying there in terms of resting, but the game being on. Friday, and then we're not playing till what is that Wednesday, right? So that gives yeah. five yeah. days. I just like I say, if we were playing on a Sunday or something like that, I do agree that we would probably rest more, especially like in midfield. But with five days in between, I think you go out and get the three points and put the pressure back on Burnley again. And I, I mean, I know what Kazi's saying. I mean, it is Huddersfield, but there's no easy games in this league. You never know somebody's yes. close down. And that's why I think Matip would be key because uh, I think he's our best center back in terms of, you know, playing against those close defenses just because he can dribble up and bring the ball. Uh, so I basically start the same lineup that we just had um, and then take the early leads and then do some substitutions. And if you're going to rest players or not risk injury, you kind of take care of business in the second half. I, 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 I honestly I don't I can't disagree with you more. <laughs> I think yeah. I think. Well, that's a shocker. Hold on. <laughs> you know what? Let me let me give you a stat which might change your thinking on this. Joe, you know the bottom three this season, Cardiff, Fulham, and Huddersfield have not beaten a top six side. You can't tell me that Liverpool cannot beat Huddersfield. You just can't tell me that. So you look at Robertson. He hasn't played well for three weeks, or he hasn't played at his level that he's usually playing for the last three or four weeks. It's quite clear that he needs a break. You know, the man's only got to go Mark Lee and all Messi, who I've heard is quite good. So, can, can't you rest him for the team who's got 14 points in the Premier League this season? If Liverpool cannot beat Huddersfield home with, with Reston Robertson and Trent Alexander-Arnold, we do not deserve to win the Premier League. It's, that's it. I'm sorry. This is a poor, poor football side. And I might come back to haunt me, of course, with my That's football. But, you know, my two. But I'm backing Liverpool to have better footballers than Huddersfield Town so we can get a resting before he goes and marks the, the, the best player in the world. And, 
get our place fit and fine. What's frustrating me also, but I'm not, you know, maybe it's not you guys, of course, but we are battling on two fronts. You know, we, this is still the European Cup. For me, for me, the biggest cup competition in the world. Um, and I'd, I, I would awfully like to win both, if that's okay, Liverpool. So, if, you know, we can rest players, I can come on, Tim, this is Huddersfield. I think you're just scared, because you're just scared of every team in the league. But, Liverpool, it should have enough to be Huddersfield Town with resting four or five players, in my opinion. I don't think he'll make that many. But if he did, you know, the whole, you know, Liverpool Twitter might fucking burn down and Liverpool Facebook might burn down alive if he rests five players. And then Liverpool will probably go clean up inside 20 minutes and it'll all be fine again. But, you know, I think we should have more than enough to rest and still get the three points again. I mean, I think in terms of quality, definitely we're way above anywhere near how it feels is. I just worry about whenever we make, if you will, too many... In terms of rotation, when we make that number is more than two or three, you start getting like huge discounts, and that's what I would be afraid of not being able to capitalize and like get the goals uh, early. I'm hoping this is a game where we get the goals earlier, so you can rest as opposed to you know, and then rest me for God's sakes for a little bit as opposed to kind of like waiting <laughs> for the second half uh, to score. But so let's get. Some score predictions then, like 10-0 then for you, Kazi, or? Uh, I'm thinking 10 or 11. Uh, <laughs> nah. <laughs> I think Liverpool, because I think eventually, I think we'll just, I think this is the team that we're going to smash early, to be honest, and then get the 3-0 on 20 minutes and then start making the changes. So I'll say 4-0, tentatively 4-0, but that, that, it could be over with inside the first 30 minutes. What do you have, Hooch? Um, yeah, I would say, I agree with Quasi, 4-0, 5-0. We probably honestly could have put five or six past Cardiff on a weekend. Uh, Firmino missed a sitter. Sala had a couple open chances he missed. If those go in, you know, we win that match going away. I think it's going to be more of the same. I think, you know, Huddersfield has nothing to play for at this point. Nothing. Um, I think they're just going to want to – there's players want to get in not be too embarrassed, not get hurt. Um, and so goal differential probably doesn't matter too much, but I'll, it's going to be four or five nothing. We'll get three in the first half um, and just roll on from there. Maybe we can get six maybe, but, yeah, it's going to be comfortable. Um, be able, I'm going to be at work, unfortunately, or else I'd just have my feet kicked up and watch this. But I'm not too uh, not too worried about this one at all. So I'll say, I'll say five nil. I'll up Gazi one. <laughs> these are, I'm not going to lie to him, right? I've watched a lot of football. I've watched a lot of Premier League. These are pretty shit, you know. These are this is a poor, poor football team. They've got 14 points on the tell Worse than United. <laughs> I tell you what, mate. Right? If you're one of their defenders, you're lying there tonight, going, I don't want to get up with this. I, you know, I do feel a bit peaky. I don't fancy playing this on Friday night. I just have a sit in my house. That's you know. And you've got nothing to play for. You've been treble all season. You just want the season to be over. They know that. It might even be a job where it gets to 2-0 and Klopp just shakes hands and goes, fair enough. But this will go, fair enough. Let's not, <laughs> let's not turn this into a football match, eh, guys? Because there's only one winner. You know what I mean? Let's just turn this into a like, glorified training session. Yeah, I think based on like when we score, I mean, if we score one early, I think this ends up being like a 3-0, 4-0 game game where we don't push it too much they have no power to push anyway and then it's kind of like a 
slower and more boring game to watch than we would hope for because I think that's when we do the substitutions and stuff. But uh, so I'll go with like four zero two. I I kind of like that score. I don't see these guys scoring on us. I just want to make sure you know we get the goal in early so I can like kind of sit back. I I forgot how the back of the couch feels. So I want to be able to like, watch a game like leaning back, ideally, uh, instead of like pacing up and down the room. So, uh, okay. Any parting thoughts before we call it a one? Uh, I'm gonna make a quick. I'm gonna make a quick guess here. If United get something off City, City will not be Burnley. There you go. I agree. I agree to that. Actually, I think it will fall apart, especially when we win on Friday. I think it will fall apart. Yeah, City. I yeah, don't. I, I think that as well. Yeah, I, I honestly think, guys, if they draw, you know, and I think the worst thing you want to go with two mates is fucking Burnley on a Sunday morning. My word, what a dreadful, dreadful thing to do. And it, honestly, I, I just think it'll fall apart. I don't think this could go down to the last game of the season. This could be, you know, if they, if they say, for example, say if United get a, a draw tomorrow, Liverpool beat Huddersfield, then they go and draw against Burnley. You know, it's on us at Newcastle, really. So, yeah, I think if United get something tomorrow, I don't think they'd be Burnley. What do you think, Hooch? Are there going to be any ball boys tomorrow at Old Trafford? Or uh, I think, yeah, no, I agree with Causey. I think if City don't take all three points tomorrow, they can collapse. And because at that point, they'd have been out of the Champions League. Then they'd be, you know, if we win Friday, they'll be five points behind us. It's pretty much a wrap in that. And then you go from talks of the quadruple down to winning the double, but it's, it's not the double that you wanted. It's not the two, you know, it's not the two trophies that you set out to win at the beginning of the year. And I think at that point they have, they see the season as a failure and the wheels can come off. A lot of wheels coming off in Manchester. I have a feeling this week. <laughs> Only at the wheel. <laughs> Only at the wheel. That's coming off. That's for sure. Yeah. I mean, let's hope so. I think uh, let's hope for, you know, I'm sure there's a, do I DIY kits for like a Phil Jones jersey somewhere that we can wear tomorrow as we watch the game, and then hopefully they get like a, some points for us. I'm kind of like cautiously optimistic, but as long as they don't get scored on early, let's hope United yeah. does us a favor for once. So it's one of them, is it then, Tim? Is it? Yeah, yeah. Thanks for listening to the American Manchester podcast. I like that. <laughs> Come on, lads. Come on, guys. One love, peace and love, guys. Come on, please. Just one time. Please. Sorry. I'm getting emotional I, thinking about it. We will dedicate a podcast just to Manchester, but I don't know if we can talk anything good about him. So we got the, so, oh, oh, listen, if they win some other fella, I can go all day on you. Hey, <laughs> yeah, I fly in and I'll start at airports all the time, guys. There's a great there's a great burger king in that airport. I can talk about that. But I'll tell you what, please, Manchester United, anything, if you have any hope left for me, just get something tomorrow. Please. Yep. I, I second those prayers thank well, you mom thanks a lot guys for joining us and thanks for listening to the American Scouser podcast please give us a follow a share uh, on social media as well especially our Facebook page and soon to be on iTunes as well so uh, looking forward to this weekend and up the reds see you later cheers